The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. All right, break's over. Time to get back to work. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Cats, of course. Travion Berkland is with us wearing a Gene Simmons hoodie. Is it not? Oh, I can't. Ace Fraley. Oh, I'm sorry. What's well, Ace Fraley? He's Freely. the best one. Um, and he's got lasers coming out of his eyes. Getting back in that New York groove, are you? Always. Well, the bye week is over, Wyatt. Appreciate you coming back and joining us for another edition of Wildcat Insider. Did you have a good week off or weekend off? I did. Uh, actually, even took a little bit here and there Thursday and Friday, just a few hours here and there. Did a, a lot of yard work. Okay. Um, for the first time ever, um, I kind of did my own on overseeding in the fall, uh, which was interesting. I hope I did it right. Big lawn guy, are you? <laughs> Well, I don't know if I'm a big lawn guy, but but I I wanted to try it myself, um, and and I we took a couple of trees out in the back. Nobody cares about this, but anyway, I did it, and it was really cool. And and then Saturday, I couldn't have been more of a couch potato. Uh, from 11 a.m. till about 11 o'clock, 11:30 that night, it was football and baseball maxed out. Loved it. Saw a lot of great action. I don't have too many Saturdays like that doing what I do, so thoroughly enjoyed it, my man. How about you? Uh, pretty much the same. Went to my yeah. parents' house. Uh, they wanted to have a little get-together because they know how busy I am. My sister always works on Saturdays. Shout out to Salon Essentials. Uh, she does a great job over there if you need to get your nails done. And uh, so we, we got together and had a few laughs and watched some football and a couple of games on Saturday definitely froze what we were doing at the time so we could catch <laughs> matter of fact three three of those games come to mind because I actually left early because I wanted to watch Oklahoma State TCU sure so I got up there earlier than I usually would and my dad he built this awesome bar in the garage it's got a TV in there put some Wi-Fi out there so we could watch the games and uh, I got there as the first uh, the first uh, the uh, first quarter uh, was about halfway done. And uh, no, but I really enjoyed it. Now, if I could share some advice with you about your lawn, what I've been told is that uh, so when I guess some people that work the field at Arrowhead Stadium helped like K State soccer and that grounds crew uh-huh. plant all the grass and make it look really good, they, they just say overseed and overwater. Overseed and overwater. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, I think I did both, uh, or I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm pretty sure I put a little more seed on than most would, but that was on purpose. And uh, while I was watching football again yesterday, I had gone into the office about 7.30 and worked till about 10.40 or so. Went home, uh, put in, uh, fired up the television, rewatched the first almost three full quarters of uh, the Kansas uh, TCU game from a couple of weeks ago just to study TCU again. Uh, then started watering and watching NFL football. So, again, my weekend was full of not doing much. <laughs> and it was quite enjoyable. I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Well, with uh, now hosting Powercat Game Day and, of course, public address announcing on Saturdays, mm-hmm. you know, seven times a year, um, 
never appreciated a bye week like I did this past Saturday. I was ready for a little break. I didn't have anything to worry about, like stress-free viewing of football. Sure. I mean, the last couple of games were – or at least uh, road games, the only two we've had this year. I've been night games, so you're waiting throughout the day, mm-hmm. watching football, but you know at the tail end, you got the Cats with a big matchup, and they grind those out. Um, but without having to worry about a K-State game, no prep, uh, not worried about press conferences afterwards, cutting up in the audio, it was like a vacation. Yeah, I and understand. I'm, 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 I'm probably an addict of college football my girlfriend i know probably doesn't like it because i spend all my time on the weekends now watching football i think probably the best part other than the relaxation relaxation and being off and and as you said pretty much stress-free was the fact that there were just a handful of terrific and i mean terrific college football games i don't know if you gave up uh, for dead tcu when they were down 24 7 or not but I hung with it, and I'm glad I did. I also had uh, Alabama and Tennessee on uh, at, at the same time, and wow, was that a good football game too, huh? So you go dual TVs, huh? Well, it's it's a little harder. I don't have like – I'm not Stan Weber. I don't have like six TVs on the wall. But, yeah. but I had – when I was – most of the time what I would do is, because I have the DirecTV app, you know, I can have Alabama-Tennessee on my phone – and watching Oklahoma State and uh, TCU on the on the big screen downstairs, and then you know on a commercial, I'm as bad as anybody of flipping it to another game or or whatever. Or or in this particular case, I watched the baseball too. So yeah, it was. Uh, I loved it, and yet I'm ready to go again this Saturday. Aren't you? I am. <laughs> I did not give up. I did not give up on TCU Oklahoma yeah. State, even yeah. though you're yeah, you're right. I mean Oklahoma State, man, they were uh, they they started out very well. Sure did. But I know, you know, I I I just told everybody, hey guys, I'm I'm trying to prep here. These are the next two opponents for K State. You know, they just happen to be playing each other. This is uh this is prime prep right here that yeah. I'm that I'm getting in and I learned a lot about the improvement of Max Duggan and how uh you know, maybe Oklahoma State's defense isn't as good as I thought it was. Uh but um that was an amazing finish, and I saw something on Twitter today that that was the first double-digit, like, two-touchdown lead that had been given up in the Mike Gundy era since 06 against Josh Freeman in K-State. How about that? They just don't yeah, they do just, that very often. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this. They, they outscored Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter, did TCU, 14 to nothing to get the game to overtime and just played a really nice game. I, I don't think they – overachieved necessarily, and there are some that felt like Oklahoma State got a little bit conservative. I, I guess I can maybe see that to a degree, but uh, I thought TCU showed some serious toughness and just grit fighting their way back into the game, and boy, once they got it going and running the ball, they were hard to stop. Yeah, the conservative part of it, I could definitely see that starting to take place uh-huh. In, you know, early in the fourth quarter, or right after TCU scored that touchdown to get within a score, it did feel like it was getting a little bit conservative. Um, but yeah, TCU started to run the ball very well, and they got truly dual threat. They were very balanced, and man, TCU does it. Do they look balanced now? Max Duggan throwing the ball so well, and maybe he also has just talent that he's had for a few years now that has grown up around him. And boy, boy, what a finish that was! I. 
So I kind of covered my grounds. I was like in a couple you – know, one place I said, okay, I think Oklahoma State's going to win. And then here on the show Thursday, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go TCU just to kind of cover my grounds because that could go either way. Sure. I know. I think TCU was, what, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at kickoff or something. Uh, that was according to Vegas, and they ended up winning by three in overtime. But also I thought, you know, Max Duggan a little bit banged up. This game going overtime, you know what, I'm going to take it. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am pretty uh, – I, I, Nervous about this game Saturday. I mean, K-State's going to go from, all right, you played the best defense in the conference. You get a break. Heal up. Get better. Uh, Curry Sexton was telling me on Thursday that <laughs> Coach Kleiman bye weeks are probably the opposite of what Bill Snyder had because that was a time where, all right, now it's time to get back to like a two-a-days type of focus uh-huh. and let's get better. Yeah. Let's work on a lot of things where now these guys get a chance to uh, you know heal up and and uh, make sure they're they're fresh for two weeks against TCU, who might be the best offense in the Big 12. Well, they can certainly make that argument because, again, numbers are numbers, but TCU is averaging almost 46 points a game. And you talked about their balance. They're at roughly 230 rushing yeah. and almost 298 passing. Mm-hmm. That's a little slanted towards the pass, which is normal. So their balance is pretty good. And you talked about Duggan. Man, He's you got to tip your cap to the guy. He, he's completing 70% of his passes. He's thrown one interception all season long in 167 throws. Now, let's, uh, let's call up the old Wildcat roster here. Adrian Martinez has thrown the ball 138 times with no picks. So both of those guys have done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Looking uh, forward to the game. K-State's the only FBS program that has not thrown an interception this season. Saw yep. that stat uh, earlier today. Now, going back to me just enjoying the, the weekend so much of not having to work, just so happened that there was a bunch of chaos as well in college football. Uh, Oklahoma fans probably had their best weekend in a long time ever since all uh, – Lincoln Riley decided to go out to Los Angeles, California, and take Kayla Williams with him. <laughs> uh, so not only does Oklahoma get Dylan Gabriel back, they beat the Jayhawks by 10, which who plays defense in that game? Nobody. It was an offensive shootout pretty much. Yeah. I know Oklahoma built themselves a lead there in the uh, towards the end of the second quarter, but you know, KU tried to fight back, and Jason Bean tried to lead them back into a close game. Uh, but USC lost to... Utah in just an amazing finish. And the finish to Tennessee-Alabama was just insane. That had the highlights of the weekend because Tennessee fans, they they kicked the field goal with no time remaining after Alabama misses theirs. A couple of quick throws down the field gets them in field goal range, but they start tearing down the goal post. Fireworks are going off. Beautiful aerial shots. Shout out to CBS. Well done with that production. Yeah, And they take the... uh, they take the goalpost downtown. It's you know it's kind of like K State, Nebraska from '98, where a goalpost ends up in Aggieville. Uh huh. That might have been in Tennessee football lore the most beautiful ugly kick ever. Oh, it didn't look like it was going to go. Well, everybody at my, again at my, at my parents' was a house. Duck, everybody thought it was tipped. Yeah, I, I saw the replay a couple of times. I was like, you know what? I don't think that was tipped. It was no. just an ugly kick. Yeah. That just the gods let it float across the uh, crossbar. But wow, what a game! I mean, for them, what had they lost? 
15 in a row against Bama? Yeah, I think the last win against Bama 06. was 06. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. But in watching them in detail, really, for the first time this year, and I'm speaking of Tennessee, man, their offense is legit. Mm-hmm. They are legit, well-coached. Heupel's done a really nice job of building that in a relatively quick amount of time. So it was a it was quite a weekend in college football, no doubt. I, I was just looking at the the Big 12 scores from the weekend, and I know we'll talk more about it later, but remember when we mentioned that uh, defenses are starting to be better? You had one, two, three, four games in the league over the weekend. <laughs> three of the four, the winning totals are 43, 43, and 52. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I think. Welcome to the Big 12. Yeah, as long as your team has good defense, <laughs> you know, just random games out there, yeah, yeah you want to see some offense. That's what yeah. that's what's makes, makes it so fun. Yeah, all these games that were so amazing were, were pretty high scoring. Yeah, they were. The exception, of course, was the Texas-Iowa State game. And the truth is, I don't know how you looked at that or how much you even watched, but that to me was a very entertaining game too. I I thought Iowa State showed some grit hanging in. They made some mistakes. They did. They you could argue that they at least in part kind of somewhat outplayed Texas. I was so two surprises. I was surprised that Texas's defense did give up 21 points. Yeah. And I was surprised Iowa State's defense let Texas just march right back down the field after they took the lead. Yeah. I know you're in Austin, but you know, your resume says you're going to probably come up with a potentially make a really nice stop and it gets really nervous for Texas <laughs> fans in Austin. Yeah. That was uh I was gr- disappointed by that finish. Yeah, it was an interesting finish for sure, but I, I think the the play that I know a lot of people talk about the fumble and that, but the the play to me that kind of maybe turned the game in Texas favor, Iowa State's up 7 nothing driving inside the 10. And Deckers throws a pick in the end zone. That's uh, that's a hard thing to do on the road and get oh, away yeah, with it. I forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that could have been ten or fourteen to nothing, and the next thing you know, it's a tie ball game. Let's see what else was there. Was there something else that was like? Well, I, I was surprised. Cle- well, maybe I wasn't. Clemson and, and Florida State. Clemson really jumped out that really fast. You know, especially getting close to halftime it was like twenty four to seven. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised by that, but man, Michigan. So. If there's any K-State fans out there thinking, okay, if if K-State beats TCU, man, we could get game day for Oklahoma State. Well, I'm kind of like, uh, maybe, uh, because I think Penn State has Ohio State at home that next week, and you know, Penn State is still ranked after just getting crushed by Michigan, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big Big Ten game, and I don't know if they've done a Big Ten game yet. I, I don't terrible memory, but uh, I don't know. Beat. There, there's a few obstacles in a way, I'm sure, to uh, to bring that show to Manhattan. Well, I think there's a chance. I really do. I do too. And I, I would say this. If I were ESPN, and I'm not, but if I were, I would be a little shaky about going to Penn State for Ohio State. Yeah. It's, Maybe it, somebody else, but there is a potential for that one to get pretty one-sided fairly quickly. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I think that's a lopsided. I think there's yeah. a clear difference in the Pac-10 between Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, on just the packing order and how good these uh, those teams are compared to the other ones. That might be close to the top. I think there's some clear separation. All right, let's take our first time out on Wildcat Insider. Still to come, we'll look more into the TC Horn uh, Horn Frogs. 
and uh, talk a little K-State men's basketball in the second hour. But when we come back, it's K-State women's basketball. Head coach Jeff Mitty will join us next. It's Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berklin. We'll hear from K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty in just a moment to talk about the Pink Power Luncheon at the K-State Alumni Center with the Johnson Cancer Research Center. That is a week from tomorrow. We'll also talk about the K-State women's basketball team, Aoka Lee, what to expect this year. Uh, they got a big game coming up early next month against Wisconsin at American Family Field, which is the home of the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that'll be the first ever women's basketball game to be played inside of a, a baseball stadium, Major League Baseball Stadium. That'll be a really cool thing, don't you think? I, I, would, I think I told you off-air before that I got a chance to go up there and, and see that ballpark for the first time this summer. Really impressed. Really clean, modern park, which you'd expect, but so, so fan-friendly. It was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot couple of things before we we get to that um do want to pass along that k-state oklahoma state which is a week from saturday k-state their next football game at home against the oklahoma state cowboys we kind of talked about it briefly there in the last segment that has been placed on a six-day selection so what that means is we don't know yet on what the kickoff time and what uh, channel will be televised on but we'll find out this sunday after k-state plays tcu basically waiting to find out Did the Cats get it done? Are they going to stay undefeated in Big 12 play against this one-loss team in Oklahoma State? Uh, How big of a game is exactly what these uh, television uh, companies are looking for? No doubt. Uh, But we do know that K-State TCU will be on FS1. And so um, it was either going to be Fox or FS1, but it depended on what Fox wanted to do with the MLB playoffs. And they decided to put uh, the Phillies and Padres on instead of the cats. I mean, you're a bigger baseball guy than I am, Wyatt. But I, I you know, may I let it slide because it is the postseason. <laughs> Who's going to take it? By the way, who's winning it all? You know, I would hate to pick from those two just because of the circumstance, right? I mean, I don't think anybody when these playoffs started said you can count on it. San Diego, Philadelphia in the NLCS. That m- might have been the last selection for most people yeah. because you have to beat the Braves, who won a hundred and one or two games, and the Dodgers who won 111. Right. So for them to be standing here at this point is a surprise to all. So, yeah, you kind of held a feeling all along that, you know, with <laughs> they're, they're going to probably go uh, to baseball with Big Fox and then put the K-State game on FS1, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody gets FS1 these days, so it's all good. Well, in 2014, who was expecting Baltimore and Kansas City to be playing for the ALCS? There uh, you go. Probably not many Yeah, at that time. And that's, that's the interesting part, too, because not only do you have those two really good teams out, but the Mets are out, the Yankees are on the brink. I mean, we'll, we'll find out tonight whether they survive or not at home against Cleveland. Wouldn't that be odd if if all of those teams were out? Yeah. Crazy. Well, I, I suppose let's go ahead and get another expert opinion here. Well, this will be more of an expert opinion than what I just gave. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're now joined by K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. Coach, who do you think is going to make it um, when it comes to the Major League Baseball playoffs? <laughs> all about expert opinion. <laughs> I haven't even heard like I haven't even heard of them to catch any of it. I got to catch the uh, – the, uh, what was it, the 17-inning game the other day, but there was pretty good odds you could catch an inning or two of that one, right? Oh, sure. So, uh, 
I got to catch a little bit. Of that. You know, I'm I would say I'm kind of rooting um, for the Phillies. Um, I'm kind of rooting uh, uh, San Diego a little bit. I kind of, I mean, I kind of like. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, with Hosburgh going to them now. Obviously, he's been traded out of there, but I started to follow San Diego a little bit. So I, I follow. You know, I'll be honest. Um, when it comes at this time of the year for me, it's really hard to catch a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, when the Royals were in it, you caught more of it. But you know, it's just so hard to watch film and practice and everything else. So I'm catching glimpses of it here and there. I got to say, if if the Yankee, I'm not a Yankees fan. Let me make that clear. But if they were to make it in the Phillies, we're also able to make it. I think that would be when it comes to just a complete. It's not necessarily a rivalry, but it could definitely be one just for one series. I think that would just be yeah. a lot of fun for for the fan bases. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think if you get, you know, you get some of those where you've got the proximity of those teams are so close to each other that yeah, yeah. no different when uh, when I grew up when it was uh, St. Louis and Kansas City. That was so much fun. The proximity and just the rivalry. So. Yeah, I, I think those are made-for-TV events, but, um, boy, the pitching's been unbelievable in the playoffs, and uh, it's amazing to watch all these great hitters struggle so much against a great pitching. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, didn't Aaron Judge? He started out really poor. Yeah, right. and, and then he hit one about 440 feet. <laughs> Things even out over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're joined yeah. by K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. Coach, uh, let's let's talk about your team here a little bit. Obviously, you know, back in August, uh, just you know, has to be just uh, a shocking thing to go through again, which was Aoka Lee knee injury. She's out for the season, but it's been announced, of course, when that was all announced as well at the same time that she was going to return for her next year. And you had mentioned to us back in the spring that uh, there's a good chance Yoki would come back for that extra year anyway because of her master's program. But I guess, how yep. soon did that uh, that conversation take place where it was decided she would officially come back? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we started to have those um, just right away, really, because, you know, when the doctor, um, when when we got the news that the knee was just not good and there was a final kind of tear in there that just made it impossible for her to go um you know we just had the conversation right away because we knew that that was a potential option so you know right away she said yeah yeah i want to come back i want to get the surgery obviously we've got a lot of work to do this will be a lengthy rehab so you know, this is more of a nine month to a year type rehab so um the surgery, you know, went well in terms of uh, the surprises in there. They were able to fix what they, they needed to fix. But um, because of this type of surgery, um, she really hasn't been able to do anything, put any pressure on it. She's on crutches. If you see her out there, she's not putting pressure on it. And she won't be able to do anything until probably the first or second week of November. Wow. Jeff Mitty is our guest. So, Go ahead. Yeah, it's just going to be a lengthy, lengthy road. But the good thing is, you know, we found out soon enough that you know you put her. Let's say it's let's say it's on the back end of a year. Um, you know, she had the surgery. I don't have the date right in front of me, but it was uh, you know right around. Uh, um, it was about four weeks ago. So that puts her in a good position to get back and, and be ready to go full go when the season starts. 
Well, Coach, it's pretty obvious that when you lose somebody like that, it has just a, a huge impact on your team in, in every way. How has it gone since since that time for these young people getting ready to go into a season without one of the best players in the country? Yeah, well, I, I tell you, our, I think our team, uh, this has been an unusual spring, or spring, unusual fall, in that uh, when we came out of the spring, we wanted to improve our shooting. We went in the summer, felt like uh, we had recruited improved shooting. We felt like our group had, um, the ones that were returning had improved their shooting. Um, we didn't have Yoki in the summer, so we got to work on some things in the summer. Um, this fall, the offense, ironically, is ahead of the defense, which is really unusual. And I don't know in all my years of coaching that that has happened very often, but our offense, right now they've picked it up very well, and I like our balance. And what we talk to the team about is we have to be a team. No, we do not have anybody that's going to replace Yoki. It scores 22 <laughs> points a game. Right. We do not have one individual. I got asked that at Dillon's. That player does not exist. <laughs> if we had that player, we'd be playing them together. <laughs> okay? <laughs> no question. It doesn't exist. But, I, but what I do think we have is I think we've got a balanced group that in, in, can increase their production. I do think we're going to see a better three-point shooting team. And then defensively, I think we're going to have to um, – I've gotten some answers here in the first uh, month of practice here, and um, we had a staff meeting uh, earlier today, and um, I feel like we've got some answers. Some answers we like, some answers we don't like, but I think going forward defensively, we're going to be a better basketball team than we are than we have been in the first couple weeks of practice. Well, kind of ironically, I'm going to bring up a health question because it's not it has anything to do with Aoka Lee. It actually there was what four or five players last year that didn't play a single minute. They just they pretty much just set out the year, and you had ten players maximum for the whole season. Are you a lot more healthier now than you were a year ago this time? Yeah, we we actually are. You know, we actually are. We've had the normal bumps and bruises, and people have to sit out for you know, three, four, five days of practice uh, because of an ankle twist or something. But we're relatively healthy right now. Everett has battled the back a little bit, but uh, she's going to be full go uh, here this week. Um, she's kind of been in and out, but kind of getting back. Um, Jamia Harris has had a little bit um, uh, a situation where she probably could be practicing, but at the same time, we don't want it to turn into something that lasts all year long. So we, we've been more cautious with her. Um, but, yeah, relatively healthy right now. And uh, I like the way they've worked. Uh, we've really, um, uh, like I said, offensively it has surprised me a little bit that um, we have uh, really picked up a new offense as quickly as we have. And um, that has been the positive side. Defensively, uh, going back to, to just what I mentioned earlier is that uh, I think we've been a little slower at that end, probably just simply because we put more emphasis. I was more worried about where we were going to find the balance and the points, and I wanted to give the team extra time. But all in all, pretty pleased. I guess I would ask you a little bit about the balance of your roster, meaning you have returning players, you have a group of freshmen, and you have a group of transfers. <clears throat> Excuse me. To this point, and I, with all respect of how early it is, how do you feel like the mesh is going at this point? I think it's going good. In um, 
I think we've got a very unselfish team. Um, I think we've got a team that is uh, willing to pass it to the open player, is, is searching those things out. But I, I feel like we're late on plays at time. I feel like that, um, you know, when you, when you look at that connectivity, um, is the pass arriving where it needs to arrive? Is it arriving on time? We're not there yet. But uh, many times I feel like, I'll give you an example. Every day in the scrimmage, you know, we, we ended up shooting the ball very well, and I was really encouraged because not only did we shoot it well, but I also could count seven, eight what I would consider missed opportunities. And I felt like, you know, hey, we're close. We're close to, to connecting on those plays. So all in all, pretty good. Um, and and I think we're going to have to heat. I, I, there's no doubt that, um, you know, when you look at Serena, the Glenn twins, when you look at the addition of Gabby Gregory, uh, Emily Everett, you look at the, the inside game that we're probably just going to rotate players in there with uh, Heavenly Greer, Taylor Lauterbach, Sarah Shamatsi. Um, it's going to be center by committee. But the other spots, you know, we've got some returning players that uh, had, had a pretty good year last year. For sure. Speaking with K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty on Wildcat Insider. So this was, I was just so excited to hear about this news when it came out, and that is uh, early, early in non-con play. Your team will be making a a trip up to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to play at American Family Field against the Wisconsin Badgers, and I'm pretty sure you'll have the opportunity to coach in the very first women's basketball game to take place inside a major league baseball stadium so how did that come into play uh to to set up that matchup and how excited is the team to play it yeah you know it um yeah i think the team's really excited i don't know that they really even kind of grasp you know the kind of the history of of these kind of events that have started you know to occur um, you know, everybody's kind of looking for that uh, first outdoor game, first, you know, game on, what was it, the, the first game on the uh, ship, and just different things that go into it. But this particular game, you know, we're always looking because we've always had such good recruits from the north, and we've always had good recruits from Wisconsin. We've always had good recruits from the Minnesota area. We've had Chicago, and so we're looking for opportunities up there, and this just presented itself. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to get there. They think, um, you know, with it being a doubleheader with the Wisconsin men's team as well, they think, you know, it could be anywhere between fifteen to 30,000 people in there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's, that's cool. an awesome opportunity. Um, yeah. So how much have you been thinking about the number 600? Since uh, since last season, because you're one one win away from 600 in your career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not much at all. Uh, not much at all. Um, it. Uh, yeah, I. You wish we'd have got the damn thing last year. <laughs> uh, that would have been a huge win. You know, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you know, we still did the thing last year, but uh, we didn't, and so it sets it up. You know where storyline this year but um not not really much at all i've had it i've had it brought up on interviews i've had it brought up but uh quite frankly i think because of the way it comes about you're just excited about the start of the year and game one and all those things so um not much at all i I guess i would ask you a little bit about the conference we all know it's a little different 
than it was maybe even three or four years ago doesn't mean it's not very, very diff- different or difficult, I should say. Baylor is different now than they were. But what about the league? How do you see the league shaping up this year? You know, it, it, boy, it's, it's the strongest. I think it's been top to bottom. And it also, you know, Texas really won the transfer portal particularly late. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've come out number three in the country in a couple polls. Um, they've jumped all the way up there. you got Iowa State that's got virtually everybody back from a year ago, and then they added a six five six six that they didn't have before. Um, Oklahoma has as much scoring potential as anybody, and they added good pieces as well. Um, yeah, I think what the six teams that made the NCAA tournament, everybody had a lot of really good players returning, and they also added a piece or two. Now, we had some coaching changes in the league, so what you're going to get out of those, I think, you know, the one thing about coaching changes is it's a lot easier to flip a roster now with the transfer portal than it was five, six, seven, eight years ago. And um, so you can flip a roster quicker. You can get your culture changed quicker. So uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating year in the league, and uh, I think the league is set up to have a really, really strong year. So much looking forward to it. Now, you have media days in Kansas City tomorrow, right? That's right. Yeah. I know you're going to get asked a lot about Aoka because even even we ask, so you know you're going to get it from everybody else. What what other question, and this is an odd question, I I admit it straight up, but what what is the biggest question about this team moving forward from today to the start of game one? What's the biggest deal in your mind with this team? Well, I think it's where we're going to find, now that I've been in practice a little bit, I, I think the, the biggest concern right now is where we're going to find the rebounding. Okay. Because the one thing about Lee is she just gathered so many rebounds. And, and once again, you just get back to, um, you just get back to um, the, the fact that we just, there's no, not many that, that are like her, right. you know? Points, I think we can cover up. We've talked about that, and I've been pleased with that. I was concerned with that, but I think the rebounding and the block shots is a big concern because she. What people know about her is that she has such great hands, but when you go back on film, she gathers a lot of plays. She gathers a lot of her own blocks, and so um, we've got to have great improvement in our young guard group in rebounding. And I'm talking about the three freshmen that played a lot last year. Uh, Sundell and the Glenn Twins, they have to rebound the basketball better than they did as freshmen because we need to have probably four or five rebounders that average about four and a half to seven rebounds a game. And so that concerns me because it's hard to defend if you're giving teams second and third opportunities. We're speaking with KC Women's Basketball Coach Jeff Biddy here on Wildcat Insiders. So, you know, talking about your team is one major reason why we have you on today. The other major reason is back in the spring, your wife, Shanna, you guys found out that she is now cancer-free, and she's been working with the Johnson Cancer Research Center. And coming up a week from tomorrow, there is an event called the Pink 
Power Luncheon. It's at the Casey Alumni Center. I was hoping you could tell us just the details on uh, on what's going to be taking place and how you know somebody like me could get involved uh, with this uh, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I appreciate you having me on, not only our team but on this event as well. You know, Shanna, obviously, we got a we got a big shock last year when uh, we got the news that she had breast cancer and. Uh, we're very fortunate to get, uh, you know, early detection, early treatment. Um, and then in the spring, she was, uh, announced cancer free. And then, of course, she'll, she'll take some medicine for the next five years as well. But, um, we were very, very fortunate. Um, so she started doing some work with, uh, the Johnson Cancer Center. And, and they've got, uh, this, uh, pink power luncheon that they've been working on. It's the 25th, um, 1130 to 1. Uh, you can sponsor a table, or if you just want to show up and buy a ticket, tickets I think are fifteen bucks a piece. It's at the alumni center. Um, you know, I think the best way. You know, I think there'll be some great. Uh, Shannon and I are on the panel. There's some really good other panel uh, speakers as well. Just kind of talking about. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about our journey. Our journey was. We were very fortunate, uh, but there are so many that are impacted by this, and. Um, uh, I think it'll be kind of a fun. Um, it'll be a fun time to just be around others that are supporting this battle to uh, find every cure possible for cancer, uh, but also just to hear people's stories of what they went through. Jeff Mitty is our guest here on Wildcat Insider. So I, I know that cancer survivors and caregivers will speak. Will Will you be speaking on the twenty fifth? You know, the format's going to be a panel, so I think okay. Shannon and I are on a panel, and I think they're going to, you know, they're going to kind of want to, you know, they, uh, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're not only wanting, um, when Shannon was diagnosed, they're wanting the caretaker side of things. Now, I did do two loads of laundry during this. <laughs> um, I just, <laughs> you, you know. That's better than me, buddy. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, jo- I jokingly say that. People say that all the time, the caregiver of, of you know. And and it, it, it was honestly, um, we were very lucky. But I think there are so many different stories that go into that. And we were right in the middle of the season. You know, when Shanna had surgery, um, I went to Kansas City, and the team went to OU, and... Um, you know, we were fortunate this surgery went really well, and Shanna's such a tough person. She's like, you know, get the hell out of here. Get to Norman. What are you doing here? You know, so I hopped in the car, drove to Norman, got there at, you know, 11 or 12 Friday night. We played the next day, I think, at 1 or 2. But there are so many things that go into it, the planning, and then just the things that go into, you know, um, you're never you're never out of it. We still worry on every scan. We still, you know, she gets uh, checkups and all those things. So, I think if people are going through it, they um, they they know. Um, but uh, sometimes people that maybe have friends or something, they don't think of the things that all go on behind the scenes. So, I think the panel will be really good. I'm sure there'll be a uh, there's a great panel. I know some of the speakers, but. Um, um, there's still tables available. I think they, this is the first time they've done this. So, um, I hope that this is a great event and I hope we can uh, help in the future. You bet. I, I want to ask one more question about the caregiver part of that. 
you know, how much after the team found out, you know, how much were they wanting to help out in any way possible to, you know, any take her there, here or take her there, or just make her comfortable or do whatever they could. How how much was the team helpful? You know, the team was great, and and you know they didn't even. It was kind of funny because uh, before we told them, you know, they didn't even. You know, we we knew for about three or four weeks before we told the team. So. Uh, one of the games, we had a big win, and I brought Shannon in the locker room because I wanted her just to see the team. And um, I think it may have been Yoki 61 or something. It was. It was definitely that was a big week because we had such a big week. So anyway, Shannon's coming in, and she's doing her stupid raise the roof thing from the 80s, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the team and the team just loves her. They're all hugging her. I'm sitting there going, you know, they have no idea that she, you know, has cancer right now. You know, but you know, after we told the team, um, you know, their I think support and text and and um, it meant a lot to Shanna, and it meant a lot. It meant a lot to me. But but she would tell me things like. I just got a text from, you know, one of the players and or one of the players' parents, you know. And yeah. so um, I think all that support means a lot to, to the person going through it and certainly the family. So uh, um, we saw it firsthand in our, in our case. And, and not, just, not just that, but even, you know, in the coaching community, I heard from every single coach in the Big 12, you know. So every single coach after the announcement, you know, either shot me a text, either called me or sent a note. Uh, Krista Gerlich sent a lengthy note. And uh, so they're, they're just, you know, the coaching community's competitive, but we're pretty tight when, yeah. when people go through things. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. That's awesome. Well, once again, allow me to pass along the information here. It's the Pink Power Luncheon by the Johnson Cancer Research Center at the K-State Alumni Association a week from tomorrow. That is October 25th from 1130 to 1 o'clock, 15 bucks a person, or you can sponsor a table for $175, and you'll hear uh, cancer survivors and caregivers speak about their experiences. Coach, uh, greatly appreciate your time. And a week from today, you're on the floor against Fort Hayes State uh, in an exhibition. So best of luck this season. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, partner. That's KC Women's Basketball Coach Jeff Mitty. We'll take a, a break, and we'll wrap up Hour 1 next. Well, quickly, as we wrap up our one, a Wildcat Insider Wide, our boy Skylar Thompson just uh, – oh. he, he didn't play, he didn't play in any way bad, just uh, didn't have the uh, debut he's looking for, that dang yeah. thumb injury that got to him there yeah. in the second quarter. Yeah, we're not sure at this particular point. I don't think they've said today, you know, the extent of it, how long he'll be out. I think it's pretty obvious that he is going to miss some time, and it's unfortunate because first start, he, he was doing okay, no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Let's uh, let's hope that you know he gets other opportunities down the road because that was a hard one to to be injured like that in his first start. So he'll hang in there. You watch, he'll be all right. He was seven of thirteen for eighty nine yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked once for eight yards. He had one carry officially for uh, nine yards. And uh, was driving at one point, but his dang yeah. offense, his O line, and <laughs> just about everybody else other than him was committing penalties. And yeah, there were really several of those. They, yeah. yeah, Dolphins yeah. should have probably scored first in that game with Skylar Thompson in the game, but they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Hope Skylar down the road will have another sh- chance, but it uh, looks like the one and two will be back here rather quickly. 
All right, hour two of Wildcat Insider, men's basketball, and uh, of the Cats. And, of course, we'll preview the TCU Horned Frogs when we come back on Wildcat Insider.